bringing AI to life. Hello and welcome to our talk on AI in healthcare. In this session, we speak with medical practitioners, healthcare experts and AI enthusiasts to bring you a ground level understanding of how they have incorporated technology to improve access to quality healthcare and make a real difference to their communities. Thanks, Imad and Brian, for being a part of this. Uh, it's a pleasure to have both of you join the Cure podcast series. Uh, we've been doing this for a couple of months now. From day one, kind of my intent to get both of you as one of the participants uh, talking about AI. But before we jump into AI, uh, you know, I'd like for both of you to introduce yourself to our audience. And uh, apart from your role, uh, maybe mention something that most people do not know about you, something personal and something that will be a reveal uh, on the podcast. Sure, sure. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having us. Yes, so my name is Jamad Nijam. I'm the CIO of uh, VRAT. I've been uh, with VRAT for about a little north of three years. I've been in healthcare IT my whole career since my first job out of college, uh, working in oncology systems. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I'm really excited about our partnership, and I appreciate this opportunity to speak. Um, I think uh, throughout my career, I've seen waves and of innovations come and go, and, and AI is really one of the most exciting things that's been uh, happening for uh, for a long time. So, really happy to speak about it, and uh, uh, looking forward to. It. I don't know that I can have a reveal, uh, <laughs> something personal. Um, I, I, you know, I, I love travel. I love international travel. I've been to about 25 countries uh, throughout my life. Um, I love, uh, you know, I love uh, hiking and, and uh, canoeing. So I do a lot of that. Actually, in a few weeks, we're going to the Boundary Waters on the border of Minnesota and, and Canada to do some canoeing. So those are my two personal comments. Oh, great. Travel internationally is something I share as well. And I'm, I'm itching and our family is itching when... <laughs> Travel opens up to you know just yeah just it's been go, go it's to been, yeah it's been strange it's been strange being at home so yeah I'm looking forward to everything coming back to normal yeah, I'm Brian uh, Baker thanks for thanks for having us on on this uh, really appreciate it uh, I've been at Virad and in, in, in the medical space for about ten years uh, and I have been part of the AI team uh, almost since the beginning about five years ago I think uh, at Virad so it's been exciting to see. Um, sort of the, the evolution of, of the space, and it's been really fast. Pretty confident, at least RSNA will be in person this year. So even if it's, uh, you know, extreme winters of Chicago, I, I'm sure we'll have a lot of uh, enthusiasm and interest because people, uh, all of us are, will be dying to just be outside and meet uh, in person. Uh, let's see. I don't, I don't know that I have any big secrets either. Um, I like to, uh, uh, I like dogs, uh, I like fishing. Uh, the outdoors. Uh, I'm I'm okay with the cold, uh, so that's why I live in Minnesota. Um, and and I also like you guys. I'm excited, uh, you know, to travel even even just locally uh, to to be able to go around the United States um, and and just take road trips and stuff again without having uh, to worry about uh, quite as much uh, of our our surroundings as we've had the last few mo months. Iman, a question for you. You know, you you are this chief information officer and part of the leadership team at WeRAD. And, uh, you know, we look at WeRAD as uh, the leader in terms of teleradiology as it's grown uh, in the United States, perhaps one of the biggest in the world. Uh, 
as an insider, how do you see teleradiology adoption trending? Do you think it's reached its peak? Do you think there is still a, a lot of potential for teleradiology to grow? Just let's start with the industry and how teleradiology is playing a role in, in radiology in the US. That's a, that's a great question. I mean, teleradiology uh, started out as a, as a nice to have about 20, 20 years ago. Um, actually, VRAD uh, is celebrating its 20th uh, year in, in in radiology this year. So, and we really kind of um, over over the, the two decades, we've led the charge into what is teleradiology and how to uh, continue to innovate in making it uh, a big part of the care continuum. You know, the, as a percentage of of the total diagnostic imaging, teleradiology is growing. And not only that, the number of prelims is shrinking, and the number of finals is growing. You know, the, the industry started as a prelim convenient type of a business, uh, but it's really a, a part of the core patient care experience. We, you know, we focus on emergent medicine and we're really, really good at it, but we also do, we've seen a lot of growth in daytime imaging as well. Um, um, you know, COVID obviously put the spotlight on telehealth, uh, okay. something that, uh, uh, you know, Teleradiology brings a lot of value in terms of physician safety and access to, you know, being able to do their job from home. Um, hospitals have access to a specialist and subspecialist in, in diagnostic radiology um, in, in a way that um, was always there, but now all of a sudden with COVID, it became a necessity and we were already there, right? We, we perfected the, the tele aspect of, of radiology. So we've seen a big uptick in volumes um, we're now in a post-COVID world, and what I mean by that is that volume trending is now um, exceeded what it was before COVID. Um, the industry as a whole lost a, lost a lot of volume in the system because of COVID, and not only are we back, we're seeing trajectory of growth beyond pre-COVID levels. And I'm seeing this uh, in the telespace as well as in the hospital space. I mean, that is a consistent with all of uh, radiology. Okay. One of one one thing to keep in mind um, when we talk about teleradiology is that we, as a business, we all of us, VRAD as well as non-VRAD hospitals, radiologists, healthcare, IT, informatics executives, all of us are challenged by what we call a capacity demand imbalance. There are just way more procedures than radiologists are able to to handle. Um, and that trend continues. You know, the trajectory of volume increases based on population demographics, based on new techniques and imaging, based on, uh, or, you know, any any dimension you measure it at, the, the trajectory is growth on imaging. Um, in contrast, the number of radiologists and the number of seats available in, in medical schools um, um, is, is flat, uh, maybe slightly growing, and um, you know, more than half radiologists are over the age of 50, 55. So there's going to be a whole bunch of retirements uh, in the system as well. So this capacity demand imbalance is a problem that can be solved, or at least a huge impact uh, with technology. Uh, this is something that uh, me, Brian, you know, the whole team at VRAD from a technology perspective, I'll always focus on how can we make the radiologist more efficient um, so we can tackle this capacity demand imbalance. No, no, that's that's a great uh, 
insight. And I, I think the other thing uh, we always think about when I, I talk to uh, our partners in teleradiology, there is the uh, demand supply uh, imbalance. There is also uh, a constant pressure on turnaround times, right? Like at a hospital, there may still be some leeway on reporting late. Uh, there is no leeway when you're in a teleradiology group. You have very strict SLAs. So uh, a question maybe for both of you, uh, you know, how, what do you see uh, different in terms of the engineering work that both of you lead to enable your radiologists and your clinicians to perform uh, with the increasing load and uh, a parallel pressure on uh, turnaround times? Sure. Um, maybe I'll, I'll uh, start with a few sentences and, and hand it off to Brian for his input and insight. Um, obviously, turnaround time is a big a big part of our business and a big part of client satisfaction and ultimately a big part of patient care. So we keep a very, very close eye on it and we build a whole bunch of tooling uh, to make sure the right study is assigned to the right physician at the right time so we can achieve um, that, that turnaround time. Um, and from a, you know, we've built a whole bunch of uh, stroke protocol and trauma protocol and ways for the clients to interact with us to to better understand their status and and the, the urgency um, it's something that uh, we do really really well we have a whole bunch of patents in our platform that uh, we built from the ground up um, specifically focused on turnaround time um, some of it is is actually really really cool in that you know we can take a, um, a study and you know separate out the images typically by the clavicle and uh, give the same study to two different radiologists uh, that can read at the same time, and then we, we you know, collate the report and send it out as a single document at the other end. So th there's a notification, so the doctors know that they're working on the same study, um, and it shaves, uh, um, you know, a minute or so after the turnaround time. <clears throat> so really cool stuff. And the other, you know, thing we started doing years ago is, well, how can we make all of that better with, with AI? Um, and, and that's kind of, I think, the cue where I hand it off to Brian. We've done a lot of really cool things to make that, um, you know, finely tuned and, and, and a much better experience for, for our patients. Yeah, and, and I'll start off with, uh, you know, kind of two things that are important about VRAD to kind of understand our approach, which is that we're, we're very practical um, and we're, we're, also, we're also a bit cautious um, and, and in a good way, I think, I think with AI. And that really leads into, you know, as we took a look at what can AI do and, and you know, looked at it as a tool for the, for the practice, two, two things really came to front. One is we want to we start using it as soon as possible. Um, and really the first use case that came to light is prioritizing uh, work lists. And, and for us, like, like Ahmad mentioned, there's, there, there's so many rules and, and things that we've learned over the years that go into play um, that truly AI is just yet another factor uh, that 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 comes into play for that prioritization process, um, and and so what we started with is is we built an inference engine um, that can scale, uh, and so we we process uh, you know on our various models anywhere between you know ten to uh, you know almost twenty thousand studies a night depending on on the volumes uh, et cetera, and before we actually use uh any model what we do is we, we plug it into that inference engine and run it for about two weeks and we gather metrics we look at what is the sensitivity what is the specificity uh and and that's all automated so we're using natural language processing 
uh, against the, the, the reports that are coming from the radiologist to essentially ask, you know, was this true for this condition uh, or negative? And then coupled to that is, is we also focused, you know, on, on pathologies. So when you're working on AI, there are really kind of two choices that you really have to make. One is, you know, what, what is your clinical use case? You know, in this case, it's prioritization. But, but then what is, what is the pathologies that you're looking at? Um, and we're, you know, we're obviously emergent focused. Uh, and so naturally, you know, we're, we really zoomed in on, okay, you know, these are the things that can impact uh, radio, uh, uh, patients' lives. So pulmonary embolisms, intracranial hemorrhages, strokes, pneumothorax, um, aortic dissections. These pathologies were uh, minutes matter. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that has the, the highest impact. And so what we do is we, we plug these models into our inference engine. We run them for two weeks and we take a look at the metrics. And really it boils down to, you know, what's the sensitivity, what's the specificity. But in terms of, you know, uh, how, how we think about it, how many patients are we helping? Right, so how many patients got prioritized? Um, whose life might have been saved, either because you know uh, something came in as a non-emergent, and there happened to be something that really truly was emergent, and we boosted it um, and prioritized it on the work list, or that was already came in as emergent but really need to be treated almost as uh, as critical as trauma or stroke. Um, and we so we take a look at at those numbers, and then we also calculate what is the overall impact. Uh, to the rest of the patients that aren't prioritized. Uh, and so we, you know, we aim for really high specificities. Um, and what that means is that we're having really low false positives. Um, and anytime we, we prioritize one study over the other, whether it's AI or anything, right, we have to go through this ethical ac exercise of, you know, is this fair to the other patients that didn't get prioritized? Um, and so we're already used to doing that. And so AI just became yet another question where we go, you know, is this fair? And so what we do is we analyze, you know, all those false positives that are happening. Um, we, we shrink that as low as possible, and it becomes uh, seconds seconds that are being impacted on other studies, right? And so it's very, very low. Um, and, and, and that's how we sort of get really confident with being able to prioritize. And again, uh, those use case, that use case of prioritization and those pathologies um, really started to have an early impact uh, and, and kind of exciting stories of, you know, hey, AI caught this, boosted it. Um, and, you know, we shaved, you know, 10 minutes off of a, a turnaround from, you know, uh, getting you into the door to surgery for, um, for certain conditions. So, so it really was exciting. Now, that's, that's super insightful. I think, you know, a couple of things that uh, both of you said really uh, resonated with me. One, obviously, there is, a, there is an end patient impact. You know, it's not just technology for the sake of efficiency. There is a, a real impact on lives that you're uh, concerned about. And, and the second thing which, Brian, you said uh, was starting with a real clinical use case. It's not, again, AI for the sake of, yes, it's fancy and it's cool, so let's use AI, but it's, it's about defining an exact use case. Uh, do you, I mean, what, what I can make out is obviously you're very advanced in your journey in terms of how you've deployed this, how you've thought through this. What's been the response of the clinicians? Uh, because a lot of times, at least in the press, there is this thing about clinicians getting afraid of AI or not being welcoming, what has been the response uh, at VRAD when both of you have led those initiatives? Yeah, we've, we've been really fortunate to have pretty enthusiastic response uh, from our radiologists and, and other clinical users. And I attribute that to 
a couple of things. One is, you know, five years ago or whatever, you know, the headlines were AI is going to take over radiology. Uh, <laughs> and those of us who, those of us who had worked in this space uh, and, and any kind of computer space or, or read between the lines were kind of like, what? No. Um, and, and for me, at least, like, I would have these conversations early on and I would just like, I would have trouble empathizing with the radiologists of, of this concern because I was like, we're so far from there. Let's, let's take a step back. Um, and then you couple that with, uh, you know, at least, at least for us, just just a, a healthy amount of skepticism and an understanding of where do we plug this into our engineering? How much time do we prioritize on this? Um, really becomes how do you, you know, how do you focus again on that on that use case? Um, and so all of that messaging sort of came together, right? Of you know, this is going to be a lot harder than it looks. Um, so don't you know, a don't be afraid, but also don't. Don't be surprised when in five years, it's not what you thought it was going to be. Um, and so really those kind of two uh, distinct threads really wound together uh, to help us message to a radiologist where um, a, lot, a lot of those original fears have kind of faded away. And I, I would even say, you know, now, you know, certainly not every radiologist, but quite a few radiologists uh, ask the other side of the question, which is, hey, I've been hearing about this AI thing for five years. Where the heck is it? Um, and and I think I think that's a great story to tell too because what the answer is is well it's it's really all around you right it's when you're dictating a report and and our tools are you know detecting that you had a critical pathology and asking you you know hey we're going to call this uh, referring physician for you uh, to just the formatting of your report to warning you hey you might have missed this criteria when you were reporting this you know can you click this button to put in the right verbiage. Um, you know, all the way to, you know, this study got prioritized. Uh, you, you may not know why it got prioritized, um, but, you know, this stuff is really, it's in, it's in the reading room, even though you don't notice it. Um, and, and I think the fact that they don't notice it is, is because we, you know, we were really cautious about, we don't want to, you know, frighten uh, radiologists. And, and more importantly, we don't want to disrupt, uh, disrupt them in their, in their normal reading workflow, right? Um, you know, Virad's been doing this for a long time. You know, we, we have a lot of, um, you know, just structure and process and, hey, how do we keep Rad's eyes on images and how do we, you know, make sure that they have high quality, uh, are turning these studies around for the patients as fast as we can. Um, you know, all, all of that stuff doesn't just go away with AI. You really need to blend uh, the AI usage into those workflows. And so I, th I think that naturally uh, helped kind of quiet the the rhetoric around AI is going to take over the world um, or, or radiology at least uh, to really, um, you know, them not even noticing it at times or when they do notice it, uh, you know, they're, they're very happy for it. And then I, I would continue that conversation just as, as, you know, as we've worked into the QA space um, and, and we've been piloting some QA programs of, hey, you know, the AI caught this um, and, and the radiologist reports, you know, doesn't have it in it or, or says that it isn't there, let's send it to our QA teams. As we've been catching those, you know, not just our radiologists, um, but our, 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 our clients and our patients, um, you know, and, and their referring doctors are, are thankful, right? They're, they're not, they're not, well, you know, AI found that I'm upset They're you know, you know, it, 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 great. That's awesome. If AI can see something, um, you know, that I might've missed and, and have that backstop. Um, and so, so really, to, to be honest, the, the, the overall experience with clinical users has been uh, very positive, uh, even though we were, we were very cautious to start with. Yeah, no, uh, wonderful thoughts. And 
maybe uh, Imad, the question for you. I mean, Brian just mentioned about uh, you know a lot of the work, uh, perhaps not being uh, obvious or in front of the radiologist yet supporting them uh, at the back end with prioritization, with scheduling, with dictating reports, structuring the reports, all of that. What has been the impact from your end customers? You know, do the hospitals who send you exams, uh, are they reporting higher satisfaction? Are you measuring any metrics to see the impact on your end customers or on patients as well? We have, um, you know, we, we've had uh, consistent turnaround times for, for the last year. Now, I don't know if I can attribute that directly to AI, but it certainly has helped tremendously. Uh, a lot of our clients don't know um, a whole lot about you know, the technology behind the scenes, uh, but they're always very, very impressed and, and, and uh, excited and curious when they find out that uh, their studies are, are um, you know, we have AI working behind the scenes. And I think that's kind of the, you know, the you know the end goal is that the technology will be, you know, will be integrated and in, in working behind the scenes. I mean, there's a famous there's a famous um, um, you know video about Steve Jobs answering a question, um, and and really you know he was talking about yes we have you know PostScript and Apple Talk and a whole bunch of technologies in the printer, but ultimately when you you know the thing that sells it is you print out something and it looks really, really cool. And, and uh, you know, that's kind of in the same way. We have a report that comes out that is, you know, perfectly tuned to the customer's needs, specific customer's needs, but we have lots and lots of clients we service uh, around the country and they all have different needs in uh, style, formatting, uh, requirements for certain pathologies. You know, there's a whole bunch of uniqueness. And really ideally is that, you know, they see the report and they go, yes, this is what I want. Uh, it's the right report at the right time uh, with a whole bunch of technology behind it that uh, uh, that may or may not be visible to them. So that's kind of what I think, you know, that's kind of what I think uh, uh, this is all heading. As much as I love talking about it, uh, ultimately it needs to be kind of all around us like science and, and really part of what we call, um, you know, augmented radiology, right? This whole concept of you know, that, you know, replacing radiologists or is it disruptive? Yes, for sure. It's adding tremendous value. Yes, for sure. Is it replacing radiologists? You know, maybe in 20 years, 30 years, I, I you know, but not, not in the next five years. Um, you know, this is the hype cycle that uh, we're all familiar with. You yeah. know, just like when Bitcoin first came out, people thought cash will disappear in a couple of years. Um, it's just, it's just not the, not the reality. Great. No. Uh... Completely agree, and I think we've, we've been also, uh, as an AI vendor, uh, in some ways benefited by the hype, but also in some ways uh, trying to temper it down and, you know, bring people uh, more to what's what's the realistic value today uh, based yeah, on the solutions yeah. we've developed versus uh, making claims on it changing the world. Uh, well, you know, sorry to interrupt you, but hype yeah. sometimes is good at the beginning. Right, yes. we're still we're still very very early in what AI is going to do to radiology. Um, so you know we 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 have the acceptance stage. Um, you know we have the early adopters. Certainly, BRAD was one of the innovators. We have the early adopters, and we, as we shift into the um, you know early majority, 
we're going to run into new challenges around uh, every aspect of the radiology workflow, from ordering to scheduling to acquisition, post-processing, work list, patient information, to the actual diagnostic experience of the radiologist, uh, communication, you know, components of the report, uh, even uh, follow-up and, and QA, and a whole bunch of things uh, will be impacted uh, by AI. So really, we're just at the very tip of the iceberg here, um, and, and uh, uh, it's, there's a lot of exciting new innovations will be coming our way. Yeah, no, great, great to uh, be part of that journey with you. Uh, one thing that, uh, again, I think both of you mentioned, and I also referred to it uh, a bit early, is the focus on patients as the North Star, right? Eventually, we're all in the healthcare uh, business, industry, whatever you want to call it. And at the end, it's about delivering that care. Now, with a good chunk of VRAD's work being emergent, uh, radiology. So these are all exams coming at night, all stat cases. Have you seen cases where the adoption of an AI tool has really impacted patient's care, you know, bleed prioritization, saving a life or helping restore brain function or anything like that? And are those examples getting shared within your clinical team as well? Any of you? Yeah, 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 I can. Yeah, I can take that. We do have, um, 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 you know, we do have a handful of really, really cool patient stories, and um, un unfortunately, it takes it takes effort to track them down, and uh, quite often a radiologist has to call. So we can't really, um, you know, being once removed from the hospital, we don't have direct access into some of these insights. But we have tracked down a few cases. And uh, to, to kind of do a follow-up, and one of one of my favorite is uh, there's a the patient um, actually in Iowa, it's a rural hospital in Iowa that uh, has an acute ICH, and it's it's um, you know it was it was not subtle like it was like she had like any radiologist would look at it and say yeah we got to take care of this right away. It was not a subtle finding, but. Uh, the value of AI here is that while that study is sitting on the work that's waiting to be read by human eyes, the AI was able to look at it and go, wait a minute, we really need to look at this right now. That's what, that's the kind of the concept of prioritization is that what can we do while we're waiting for the radiologist to look at it? And and in this case, uh, we put it on the list of one of our neuroradiologists who happens to be in California, so a couple thousand miles away, um, there's a, you know, uh, you know, there was a whole bunch of issues. There's a midline shift and subdural hematoma. There's a whole bunch of this patient had uh, uh, some serious issues, and we were able to, you know, you know, the system recognized this, right? So the AI bumped it up on the list. The radiologist started dictating. The system notified the critical finding. We automatically dialed the phone number of the referring physician. We had them connected with the radiologist. This patient was rushed to the OR for surgery. Um, and and all of that happened uh, in three minutes. Wow! So a patient in rural Iowa, a neuroradiologist in California, um, um, you know, communication AI, um, you know, our our inference engine, our study assigner, our auto dialer, our reporting system, all of it worked in concert to make sure this patient got into the OR, you know, maybe five, eight, ten, twelve minutes sooner than that otherwise would have happened. So uh, 
follow-up exam indicated that uh, um, you know the stroke did not progress because of the early intervention, and 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 there is probably tens and tens of these stories that we see every week and every month. Um, I, I wish we had the capacity to chase them all down uh, to be able to to document it um, uh, in a more uh, from a patient's perspective. Uh, it's just uh, we just don't have that the capacity or access. But it's a really really cool story um, about how AI contributed to probably saved this patient's life, right? That certainly uh, contributed to a very positive outcome of this patient's life. No, no, it's it's amazing. And I, I think I marvel that, uh, obviously, the role that AI played, but also the overall orchestration. You know, the you have the patient in one part of the country, the radiologist somewhere else, uh, you know, and then the entire calling of the, to the referral and making sure. So, uh, it's, it's, it takes, as they say, it takes an entire village. And I think what you guys have engineering uh, engineered is that entire coordination to get to that final print or that report. Uh, my next question is uh, specifically to Brian. And Brian, uh, you know, you, I think, having worked with this for five years, um, you know, you, 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 you are one of the gurus or Yodas of how, how to make this AI work. So I love to hear some insights or some cool stories of things that you had never imagined as you started deploying these AI solutions. Things that took you by surprise and you know needed a different level of engineering or things uh, which you had not planned for when you started these AI projects. So any any cool stories or insights from those? Yeah, yeah. that's a that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I'll start out with, I, I certainly don't consider myself a, a guru or a Yoda um, by any means. Uh, I hope I hope to one day maybe, but, um, you know, really it's just a, a journey of, you know, that, that I think many of us have been on together of just trying to figure out, you know, how does this new tool uh, fit into existing tools and existing processes? Um, and and yeah, there, there were some surprises uh, along the way. I'll actually share that. I think Right now, uh, my, my biggest set of surprises that, that have come up has really been around, um, you know, QA and, and the ability to use these models to, um, you know, overread radiologists. And I, I think there's a lot of, of untapped potential there um, that we're going to end up really focusing on. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, getting into the reading room and, and how, you know, we're not necessarily gung-ho about like hey we're going to show a box here or that or you know alerting a radiologist right away we see a lot of value you know early on and and things in the background um and and prioritization and, and qa where you know we're not necessarily telling the radiologist or, or distracting if you will the radiologist we're adding on to the overall processes that are happening um you, you know as a practice and and so I, I think as as we lit up the the QA um, uh, process that that we've just started, we're really really piloting it. Uh, just the the outcomes and the number of of uh, you know potential misses that have come up uh, has has really been uh, enlightening. And and to put that into some perspective, uh, Viran has a really robust QA program, um, and and and. Uh, you know, we, we'd we'd want to get one of our, our clinicians on to talk about that more, but I'll I'll I'll, I'll just talk about it a little bit in that you know we overread uh, we do a lot we do prelims we do finals uh, and Mad probably mentioned that you know 30, 40 percent prelims right now um, and so all of those prelims right are getting overread. Uh, we also have a QA portal 
that that any client can go to submit a discrepancy um, and and then we also read around one percent of our studies are overread uh, and so we have a pretty robust QA uh, platform that already exists where radiologists are overreading radiologists and we know you know how radiologists are doing how many misses they have um, I I would say we have one of the uh, you know largest databases of of that kind of data uh, around, and it's fascinating. Um, so without even AI coming into play, it, it's it's amazing. Um, and 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 when you start comparing yourselves to other practices, it's important to note, you know, VRAD. I, I forget the 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 numbers of it. I think it's, you know, depending on what study you read, it's between like three and nine misses per a thousand cases, and and VRAD sits at about one point one. Um, so as I talk about that, just put that into perspective, and in that we already have fairly high quality. Um, but on t but you can always be better. And so these concepts of being able to uh, overread basically every single every single chest CTA right for a pulmonary embolism or every uh, every single head for for an ICH or something like that um, is is just phenomenal. Like w w you know, just being able to overread that much data uh, is amazing. And so I, I think our, our that has been surprising to me. Um, you know, just how powerful that is going to be. And, and where that fits into our, our roadmap and our pipeline. Um, you know, so already we get, when, when we find, uh, in, in our pilot stuff, when we find one, we already have clients going, you know, how can you find this even faster, um, you, know, you know, within, you know, two minutes or whatever. Um, and so we're already, you know, we're already envisioning how do we make that QA process more real time um, and or, you know, more efficient. Um, where, you know, I, I think that will end up, uh, you know, pushing out other things that might have seemed, you know, more important a year ago. Uh, and it just, it boils back to that, that, you know, you really focus on your use case and, and, and make your use case good and, and the process solid. Um, so you're not really just using AI. It's, it's really, truly, you know, a new process that you've developed um, and, and a new, uh, you know, from a business perspective, just a new, not, not an offering, but just a, a new enhanced workflow um, that, that can really help. And I, I think, I do think that speaks to, um, you know, some of our clients, uh, you know, hopefully as well, our, our patients, but as Ahmad, uh, mentioned earlier, you know, sometimes just, you know, there's not a whole lot the, the market can, can do about turnaround times going up. You know, sometimes we see turnaround times going up, but you know, you turn around, you look everywhere else, every practice has turnaround times going up because there's just too much demand for the number of radiologists in the country. And I think when you when you start looking at that and you're looking at these tools like um, like prioritization, it, it becomes that more m much more important, right? Because even even when there just is too much demand on the system, you have that AI in the background going. Even though there's too much demand and tats are high, you know, if there is an ICH, it's it's going to be uh, an intracranial hemorrhage. It's going to be bumped up to the top. If there's a, a you know massive pulmonary embolism, it's going to be bumped up to the top. Um, and so that really helps, you know, uh, at least me, me as a patient or a potential patient, it makes me feel better, which is always one perspective I like to keep. Um, and then, you know, as, as clients to VRAD, I know they appreciate that as well. Um, so so I, I would say just kind of in lengthy summary here, you know, the surprises are really, uh, you know, the, the use cases or the micro use cases that come out of these ideas that we have and these implementations that we have where we start using AI and the radiologists go, well, what if we did that? And what if we did that? And what if we did that? Um, and it really becomes a much more fully featured use uh, of AI and, and enabling sometimes non-AI features 
um, out, out of that sort of, you know, how do we use this new tool? Yeah, no, uh, that's, that's uh, a great uh, explanation where uh, you've not just defined the use case uh, very uh, specifically in terms of what is the value, but essentially it's not just about automating an existing workflow as it is using AI. You are also in, in many ways rethinking and improving the entire workflow or the process of that reporting. And I, I see, I think I see multiple examples just during this conversation, what, what Imadhan you mentioned, you know, right from work list prioritization to uh, how do they report to QA to scheduling. Uh, I was amazed by what Imad mentioned where you were picking a study and actually in parallel giving it to two radiologists to read. Uh, so that's that's a completely new workflow or a, a way of doing it, but still achieving your goal of getting that uh, fast report for the case that needs it and the patient who needs it. Great. Uh, now that's that. It's been wonderful uh, getting these insights from both of you. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure to uh, share these experiences and thoughts. And I think uh, it's been a pleasure working with you. Maybe any any last thoughts, any predictions on, you know, post COVID, where where do you see? What are you excited about? As you seeing uh, more tools coming in the market, uh, as you seeing the adoption grow. Uh, something new that's caught your eye, something that's exciting or a prediction for the future while we end? You know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to double down on uh, the QA answer that Brian gave. I mean, <laughs> that is really uh, something where we're focused on this year quite a bit. Um, and it takes, it takes a while. You know, these things are not easy. Uh, they're not quick. Um, and we're putting, putting a lot of resources into uh, into enhancing uh, the QA process. So hopefully uh, we'll get a better handle on some of the regulatory and FDA implications of that, because that could really open up the door to a whole bunch of new innovations when it comes to uh, you know, patient, uh, patient safety and, and better outcomes. Okay. Well, yeah, I would, I would say my insight for, for this year and, and maybe, maybe this is, you know, my, my own, you know, COVID been hiding for 18 months. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, and so as we look to use AI in various use cases, um, you know, digging in and, and really building the engineering tools and, and taking the time to, to do it right is, you know, it's going to be important. And so I would, I would just encourage, you know, radiologists who are, you know, like, where is AI? Well, it's probably all around you. Um, but also, you know, just have patience. If you want to get involved, you know, ask, um, you know, if, if your practice is doing it, I know, I know we have a bunch of radiologists that are, are pretty involved and, and just keep in mind, I guess it's, a, it's a marathon, not a sprint and, and that these use cases are going to evolve. Um, and, and that we're going to learn how to use AI, uh, as we go here. Um, and, and you can already see that just in the last five years, but you know, that's probably the shape it's going to take the next five years is we're going to continue learning. Yeah, no, uh, I, I think I couldn't have ended this with a better uh, thought. You know, I completely agree. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And that's exactly how, how we see it at Cure. And uh, really a pleasure talking to both of you. Uh, once again, pleasure to be part of this marathon with you as we are learning uh, about uh, our tools, about adoption. And it's not just accuracy, it's deployment. So always a pleasure. Uh, thank you both for your time. and. Uh, Hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having us. Yeah. Yep. Great. Thank you. No.